This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Got uh, Fuller going crazy, eating up all of Wes's space. Even Chester's come back over here. I don't know what's going on. Fuller and I have had constant negotiation today. It's kind of gone all right. I'm winning. I'm winning. Again, he's a lover, not a fighter. He he likes to lean up on you. Yeah, that's your man. That's your guy. Brother Fuller. Brother Fuller. Yeah. Good to go. Uh, Tell you who else is good to go. Carolina basketball. Yeah, that was a good news story yesterday. If yeah. you're Hubert Davis in North Carolina, actually, it was a good news story for college basketball. Absolutely. Uh, the league, everything else. There, mm-hmm. there were a couple, which we'll hint on here. But, um, yeah, Armando said, you know what? Did a little research, a little homework. And you know what? Living in North Carolina, playing hoops for the heels, name, image, and likeness, coming off a great season. Team had a chance to win the Natty. Going to be pretty good again next year with a shot again. Let's yep. try it again. I, I think it's great. I yep. do. I do too. And I think it's uh, it's one's got to be encouraging, not just for Carolina and the league, but also nationally, as you mentioned. I there's there's a little bit more to this other than Armando Bacot's just coming back. Uh, we mentioned this kind of in the earlier portion of the program, but it's worth a revisit here. There is an expectation that Kofi Coburn's going to come back to Illinois, and Oscar Sheboy's coming back to Kentucky. And that expectation is back based on projections. And you mentioned this in hour one, the NBA projection for Baycott, he was not a first-round guy. Neither is Coburn or Sheboy. Somehow or another, the old back-to-the-basket old-stool big is not very in in, fade, in vogue, if you will, at the National Basketball Association. Well, I'd say all three of them can play for the Hornets, but that's a whole separate issue for another day. <laughs> well, they day. need bigs. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is a little bit of – and again, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves on this. I think you're right. I think there's a little bit of the Kenny Pickett thing in this. Yeah. There's a little bit of, look, I come back. I got some NIL. I mean, Kenny Pickett had a really nice setup for name, image, and likeness last year. We talked about taking the lineman to dinner every week at the Oaklander Hotel, the relationship with a GMC dealership of some sort. There were other little things involved from a charitable standpoint we saw. Baycott already had some of that. And now potentially puts himself in the in the bigger window for some of this. And to me, quite frankly, one of the things about this is it makes college basketball better. And if it happens across the board in the ACC, it makes this league a lot better. Yeah, there's no, and again, I said earlier today, I, I'm I'm selfish. Uh, I, I hope all these college guys come back. I mean, I know they're chasing dreams and all that stuff. And if you feel like you can be a first-round pick, man, go, right? Some don't have the scholarship allotment, but. That's right. That's right. But I'm selfish sitting on the couch watching Mm -hmm. experienced guys come back, love the school, love what that's all about, and then go play. Go win. And I think Baycott in North Carolina should be in a great spot to make another magical run next year. Yeah. Um, I will share one thing that is interesting about Armando Baycott's return. And you and I are familiar with this because we grew up in this state and we saw it happen. For years and years and years, there used to be a barnstorming tour. You remember those? Sure. They would happen after the year was over. And because of the geographical locations of Duke State, Carolina, Wake Forest, seniors from those respective basketball teams would go to communities around the state and they would essentially play pickup games against local you know, fire departments and whatever, but there would be 
the local town, let's say, you know, Moxville, North Carolina used to get to see Phil Ford and Tim Stoddard and Skip Brown and, you know, Tate Armstrong, who was an Olympian from Duke or something in the 70s, right? Well, now it was announced the other day, Carolina's five starters are going on a barnstorming tour. The Iron Five Live. You know, the, all, the Iron Five played the whole second half at Duke. Why are they doing it? Because they can, right? Name, image, and likeness pack. I'm pro NIL. Yeah. Um, I, I, granted, we need some restrictions and some regulations. And mm-hmm. maybe one of these years, some smart people will get involved with that. But it, student athletes got more power and control than ever before. Right. Not only from, from social issues, which we've discussed a lot. Uh, not only from a name, image, and likeness standpoint, and obviously the transfer portal. Yeah. We watched that all unveiled so oh, too. So, still watching, right? Uh, yeah, and that's that's a fluid situation that moves every single day. But this is again going back to Baycott. It's a I thought it was a smart business move. I do think it's similar to Kenny Pickett. He's going to come back to win an ACC title. That's the game plan. Get that thing back in the Final Four and let's go and cut down some nets. And North Carolina should be very, very good. Now, granted, you got freshman class coming in. Injuries are always a part of it. We go through all that. we got plenty of time to worry about all that stuff. But this was a good feel-good story for not only the league, but also North yeah. Carolina and for college basketball. Yeah, and the only guy right now, at least as far as we know, Caleb Love did tell InsideCarolina.com, He's got a week or two left to go in the decision-making process. There are some projections out there of Caleb Love being a first-rounder. Some considering and think he's capable of being a lottery pick. And if he is that, there's no chance he stays. There was also there was also good news yesterday from a football perspective Ooh, because absolutely. again it ties in onto the ACC, but really the big picture of college football, and that is that the backyard brawl, which gets underway this year, the first of four consecutive years mm-hmm. that Pitt and West Virginia are going to play, uh, both sides agreed to extend the contract four more additional years, beginning in 2029. So that's eight games we're going to see between these two coming up beginning this season. And that is good for the sport because these are the kind of games, Wes, that college football missed out on with expansion. We lost some of these bad boys, but now we're getting them back. And to me, as a fan, again, selfishly, these are games you want to watch. Yeah, no question, right? No question. You should have more of them. And, man, I'm hoping there's a bridge where you can go from 26 to – 29, or however you want to add that bridge in between the end of the series and the start of the next one. Let's see if we can figure that out. Yeah, right? 26, 27, 28 right now are void of a backyard brawl. Let's see if we can see figure each that other out. in the postseason. Let's see if we can figure that out somehow. But I like it. I mean, this yeah. is these are the kind of the game, you know, Texas, Texas AM. I mean, eventually I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. see it when they uh, join the SEC. But we've missed out on some of these great rivalry games, mm-hmm. which are part of the fabric and culture of what we love about college football. All right. You know what else we can talk about today? If you missed it in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, we debuted FPI. If you follow this show at all, you know what a big fan pack is. So, here's the first edition of FPI's best chance to win the ACC. Don't confuse FPI with BPI. That's the Basketball Power Index. These are our friends at the Football Power Index. Different staff. They got a different budget. I hear that's true, but I've yet to see any proof of that. Well, you haven't met anybody, have you? Nope. I've that's asked. exactly right. You have asked. More than one occasion. We've yet to have any acceptors to appear on the show to discuss it. However, 
They're good enough to uh, put Clemson at almost 59% to win the league, 58.7, followed by Pittsburgh, some 42 points behind. What, what are 43 points behind? What are we doing there? Well, until Clemson establishes, hey, we got a quarterback who can throw the forward pass accurately, that is a large number to me. Now, I would pick them today, yeah. but 58% is a big number. And some of these other schools yeah. in the single-digit category, I thought would have been easily double-digit yeah. teams. Right. Like NC State. I mean, well, come on now. Okay, what are we doing? Yeah, just hang on. Don't spoil the rest of the segment. So here we are. You have said that the Atlantic is expected to be a fight. I think it will be, too. I'm, I think it's I'm, underrated. I don't think anybody in the nation is paying any attention to the ACC's Atlantic division. They should because I think it's going to be a great race. Well, FBI doesn't think so. Well, FBI. FBI's on. got Clemson at 74.7%. higher than Wake Forest. That is just a monster number, and I just don't understand it. Yep. I mean, you know what Wake's got? They got Sam Hartman. You know what NC State has? They got Devin Leary. You know what Clemson's got? Question marks. Now, I know that defense is going to be all-world, and they have a chance to be spectacular. Right. But eventually, Wes, we saw it last year, Mm -hmm. eventually, offensively, you got to be able to scare some people. Yeah. You can't just win games going, hey, I mean, the defense is going to hold somebody to 13 points, and we hope we sneak by. You got to, you got to show something on the offensive side. I, I I know we're we're way late in the show today to do this, and maybe this is a Monday thing for us. I'd like to take last year's FPI from April of twenty. This very edition of the FPI a year ago. I bet the evidence has been destroyed. No, no, no. They got archives at ESPN. The one thing I know about our three years, six hundred and seven shows here is they can look stuff up in Bristol. They can look it up. So you sense that they didn't have Pittsburgh and Wake Forest 1 and 1A? I sense that a lot, actually. I'm sensing there's no stinking way they had Pitt and Wake Forest 1 and 1A. And neither did we. I wonder, we didn't didn't really examine that with Andrew Brooks when he was hosting Over Under back in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. We should have. That's a miss on my part, and I apologize to our I'm sensing if my... If I'm thinking right, Clemson was a runaway in the Atlantic. And they, I think they were a runaway overall. North Carolina was a comfortable that leader is, in the Coastal. That is correct. And both of them were on the couch watching Pitt and Wake Forest. So I would tell you that FPI was clueless, but I always said it again. So were we. True. None of us were sitting around talking about Oh, we were all Wake about Carolina and, and Clemson. Yeah. We were talking or, about or Virginia Clemson. Tech. We kept talking about North Carolina, Virginia Tech, that opener. That, you yeah. Know, mm-hmm. You know, just saying. Nobody knows do we, anything. Do we want to pursue that kind of – I have no problem All right. putting dirt on it. I know. Six feet under in a grave. Yeah. I'll do that in a second. Um, so, Clemson, the heavy favorite overall uh, in the Atlantic. Can we show the Coastal here real quick? Um, just to kind of breeze through that. Pitt at 44.8%. Miami almost 28. Carolina's third at 22. Virginia – Four percent, and then Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and Duke all less than one percent. Boy, no love for the Hokies, huh? None, zero, really. That's zero. A, that's a really low number. That's for the a Hokies. really low number for them. And with an explosive player like Brennan Armstrong, I think that's a really low number for Virginia. Yeah, I mean, he's got. I mean, they could. They're going to score now yeah. with Tony Elliott. Clemson at fifty-eight percent. NC State sixth is 
Now, the keep overall. in mind now, FPI had both Clemson and Pitt in the nation's top ten. Yeah, I know. Right? They had Clemson four. They had Pitt none. NC State has a 7% chance to win the Atlantic. Seven. It's ridiculous. With a workable schedule. It's ridiculous. Right? We should be easily double digits and scooting on up. I would think NC State would be higher than Wake Forest. Me too. I agree. And that's the way – I think in some ways Dave Clawson would have liked that too so he can keep kind of – Clawson's loving all of this. Oh, he's loving all he, of he's this. He's sitting there getting another cup of coffee in his Packer and Durham mug yeah, going, man, this is great. Can I get a copy of this show? Yeah. I'm just going to play it for my oh, team. Oh, you think whatever graphic uh, came out, do you think the uh, graphic that whatever he was referring to – I did not see it on the NC State spring game, but whatever that graphic is, production graphic and success graphic, you don't think that's not a big deal? Um, no, he already told you yesterday – you know, coaches love to find stuff from motivating standpoint, oh especially in the media. Idiots in the media, here's what they had to say about I go, you. I go there tomorrow for the meetings. You think that's going to be, sure. you know, across the indoor facility? No doubt. Um, Why wouldn't it be? By the way, I think we have our answer here. Look at this. All we had to do is ask, and I think it's been – oh, here it is. The FPI last season, Clemson was the prohibitive favorite to win at 72%. That was the best in the country. So they're a larger number this year? Yeah. Was that for the, is that for the conference or the division? That was to win the ACC, period, oh, the oh, league. So 58% this yeah. year. Best chance to win the Coastal was Carolina at 37%. Pittsburgh was not even in the top four. Right. Carolina 37, Miami 28, Virginia Tech 19, Virginia 11. Um. So North Carolina was the favorite, and they finished with a losing record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tigers also had the best chance to reach the playoff undefeated, yeah. 21%. That ended in week one. That's right. Just never know, man. That's why I keep saying. You don't worry about all that stuff. And this, is, this is fun stuff to chew on in the middle of April and May and you know the slow time in the summer and all that stuff. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. That's why I keep talking about analytics. You're wasting time. Stuff's crazy, right? Stupid. The Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. I know your head's spinning with those FBI numbers. Drive you crazy. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. insane. But we're going to switch gears on you and go a little softball right now. Yeah. John Rittman is the uh, head coach of the Clemson Tigers. How many is this for him now? Uh, this would be um, six. Half six? dozen for Coach. All right, half dozen. So, Coach, by the way, just so you know, you're within range of the Packer and Durham mug. It takes four more appearances four more. and you get the Packer and Durham mug. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get it done. I'm ready. Anytime <laughs> you guys want me on, I'm more than welcome to join. Well, this is game day. So, everything okay with doing this on game day? You know, I mean, I know Notre Dame's in town. You know, these are all big this time of year. Don't have to tell me that. So, we're, we're kind of pushing the old proverbial luck here. But as Pac said, going to break, we're not bad on game day, are we, Pac? Yeah, Gene Damari was on this week. Yeah. Rallied on uh, Tuesday night for W. So, yeah, this works. It always works. Any Anything that uh, will help us get a W, I'm all in, as Dabo <laughs> would say. So, um, game day, yeah. I mean, I'm just usually pacing around waiting for the game. So, uh, anything to take some time away and enjoy my conversations with you two all the time. So, we're ready to go. All right, we got a top 25 matchup, but uh, hey, it's the first time you've ever seen Notre Dame. Mm. So what do we know about the Irish? <laughs> oh, they're, they're a very good team. You know, they have uh, some upperclassmen that uh, have been there, done that. Um, good pitching staff, good hitters up and down the lineup. 
I think it's a really good matchup. You know, we didn't get to play them last year because of COVID. Um, so we're looking forward to it. Um, we, I think we're, we're very prepared in regards to, you know, the schedule that we played up to this point. And our last three weekends are really tough. You know, we have Notre Dame this weekend, Florida State next weekend, and then Georgia Tech. So um, it all starts tonight against the Fighting Irish and uh, looking forward to a great series. Well, you mentioned the league and Notre Dame for the first time here. They're in the top 25. Um and I've mentioned this kind of in a collection with you and Marissa Young at Duke. It, it appears that your two programs have kind of solidified the softball empire that is the ACC now. I mean, Virginia Tech, Florida State are a remarkable series. We know what Duke did last year in the tournament. You won the regular season. All of a sudden, Coach, it feels like that when you came on board and launched Clemson a year after Duke launched, it feels like the ACC has kind of taken those steps forward now as a as a really good league on a national level, not just within its own yard. I agree 100%. You know, our conference, really from top to bottom, I mean, certainly you can look at our top teams, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Duke, Clemson, Georgia Tech right now. Um, but top to bottom, if you look at the RPI, we, we played Pitt last week up at Pitt. And I think they're, they're currently right now because of their schedule last in the conference. But, you know, their team is, is much better than that. I think they're a 55 RPI this week. So mm. top to bottom, you know, you, you, have to, you have to bring your A game every week if you expect to win in this conference. And especially if you want to try to win a series. So, um, but certainly the top end of this conference nationally um, I think we're getting a lot more respect. Um, we're getting talked about a lot more. You see us on TV a lot more, of course, with the ACC network. That's been huge for our conference. And um, I, I think it's just it, it's really exciting. It's an exciting time to be in the league. Um, and, and really, you know, if you look at it, there's just so many great programs, so many great coaches. And, you know, we kind of up the ante, so to speak. John, uh, I think Clemson softball, and the first person that pops in my head is Valerie Cagle, mm. and she just caught the world by storm. Uh, what have you seen with her, with a now another year of maturation, and everybody understands who she is, whether she's got a bat or whether she's in the circle? Valerie is just such a key component to our program, you know, and, and like you said, you know, Mark, she's a year older. She's a year wiser. She's dealing, you know, knows how to deal with failure a little bit better. Mm. Um, she's dealing with the expectations now, as as is the rest of our program. You know, we, we literally have a target on our back every time we step on the field now. We're not sneaking up on anybody. But, you know, Valerie has just really come into her own. Um, you know, you, you look at her stats this year, and they may be a little down, but she's in, in recent, you know, probably the past month, she's really done well in the circle for us. Um, I think our whole team, you know, our confidence got shaken a little bit early on because we played such a tough schedule. And then we open up with the Virginia Tech and Duke in conference. And, um, you know, that's that's not an easy chore. And I, I, we went one and five in those six games. And we didn't press the panic button. Um, we kept true to what we do and our work ethic and how we prepare ourselves. And and now all of a sudden we're nine and six in conference. So, um, but Valerie, of course, has been a huge part of that. But we're we're getting help with her in the circle with Millie Thompson, Reagan Spencer, Brooke McCubbin. So it's truly a team effort this year. 
John, I, I want to use an analogy here. This program is a little bit like raising a child, I guess, right? When the baby arrives, everybody's excited and how cute it is and everything else. But then all of a sudden, the teething and all the other things happen to the toddler. You're, you're kind of coming out of that. It feels like you're kind of moving through the toddler stage here. This, the maturity of this program is going to have some highs and lows. And it's almost like when you just described Valerie's kind of dealing with the kind of being the target and your team dealing as being in the target, it almost like you had a, a sense of expectation about that in your plan as Clemson's head coach. Yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head, Wes. We, we had success so early that really nobody was prepared for it. You know, I mean, we knew we had a good ball club. Uh, you know, the COVID year, we got off to kind of a slow start and get hot, got hot, and then the season shut down. And, and last year, you know, it was like, nothing could go wrong. Everything was lined up perfectly. We were winning every series, um, made postseason for the first time. So just a lot to build on, a lot of excitement. Uh, this year, we, you know, we made the, the schedule a little bit tougher. We challenged ourselves early on. And, and like you said, there's some growing pains there, you know, with, with the expectations um, from our coaching staff, from our players and from our fans, you know, so um, but the good news is we keep growing. We're, we're taking, we're taking baby steps. So if we were teething last year, we're now walking this year and ready to run. We had Graham Neff, uh, on the show recently, the new AD at, at Clemson. And he talked about already conversations about expanding the stadium. I mean, goodness. <laughs> I, mean, I was down there for Dabo's event Friday night. And of course it butts right into the softball park and i'm like wow man the place is beautiful and already we're talking about adding seats i mean that that's got to feel good right big time there's no question you know I, I tell people all the time i pinch myself to make sure this is all really happening um but it, it's a great problem to have obviously you know we don't want to turn people away that want to come watch clemson softball um and i think our administration realizes that you know the the demand for tickets is there, and it's it's been there for the last year and a half. So um, we've, we've got a lot of people looking into it, and it's exciting. You know, the, the stadium's not even three years old, and we're already looking to expand. And, you know, Graham Neff is just such a great, you know, athletic director. He's only been on the job since December, and, um, you know, he's we, we have complete confidence in what he's doing with the program. He's, he's one of those young up-and-comers, I guess you would say, and – in the administration world, but uh, I know he's going to do a great job in helping us solve this solution. And, you know, we got two brand new programs in lacrosse and gymnastics coming on. So we're, we're building their, their facilities. So there's a lot going on to be excited about at Clemson. Well, here's the other part too, and about your team. And I was looking through some of this, uh, some of these numbers here, I I'm seeing that we got a lot of hits and a lot of runs and uh, the pitching staff's a one eight six ERA in two hundred and sixty six innings and two hundred and sixty eight strikeouts here. So what are we what are we most pleased with as we work our way to mid April here? Well, I think you know I think our pitching staff has just been so consistent this year. They've enabled us to compete at the highest level against the the best teams in the country. Um, if you look at our strength of schedule, it's it's right up there, you know, with the top in the, of the country. And, and our pitching staff has just done a tremendous job there. Um, offensively, you know, playing such good programs early in the season with great pitching, our offense kind of struggled. Um, but as of late, we've really been hitting the ball well as a team. We've been getting production up and down the lineup. And 
I think that's that's really helped us turn it around in conference. Um, but you know, from a coaching standpoint, it's it's all about you know doing the little things right, uh, continuing to improve you know week to week as as we get into the the heart and the bulk of this season, and and really about enjoying the grind and the preparation that it takes to to be a championship team. John, final question. Uh, we've been asking this to coaches the last couple of months, and it's kind of apropos here. Uh, but for you personally, uh, what is your favorite walk-up music? <laughs> oh, boy. You know, if they had coaches' walk-up music, I, I could always go the classic route way, you know. But I think everybody's got kind of their their genre they go to. But I, I would probably have to go with something out of the Eric Church playlist. Mm. Well, it won't be Carolina. Like, uh, who had that? Mac Brown. Was that Mac? Mac yeah, Mac Brown. went with yeah. Carolina, yeah. which made sense. Yeah, so they I, play, I, in, the, they I, play I, in the stadium all else. the time in Chapel Hill. Yeah. What are you going to go with? What was? Which one? Um. Oh, my gosh. There's so many. You're putting me on the spot right now. Um. I don't know. I don't know. I, I couldn't pick one. I'd have to look at the list and... You know, I'm one of those guys that just puts in the AirPods and just enjoys the music. That's the man. That's the way to do it now. That is absolutely the way to do it. Hey, great to see you. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Anytime. I, I got four more before I get the mug, so keep me in mind. That's it. And the next time you come on, my man, we're going to crank up some Eric Church yeah, for you. Yeah, we'll get some Eric Church for you. There you go. See you soon, John. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Let's go live to Durham, shall we? Uh, Coach hey. Elko's spring game is part of uh, Saturday's spring football Saturday. You like that, don't you? You thought we were just joking around when we asked the question. Was that it? Yeah, I did. I did, but I love the music. It gets me pumped up every time I come on here with you guys. <laughs> That's it. Now, listen, if you decide to change your walk-up music, you got to let, let us, us know, know ahead of time. Yeah, just saying. Her. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll change it up. We'll, we'll get okay. creative with it. We'll keep All mixing right. it up as we need to. All right, speaking of uh, getting creative, what can we expect on Saturday at Wallace Way? <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to go out there. We're going to play a game. We're going split to the, split the teams up into two sides. Uh, there'll be no crazy scoring system. There'll be no uh, hard for the fans to follow. You know, we're going to kick off. We're going to punt. And we're going to play a game. And uh, I think our kids will have a lot of fun with it. They've earned it after the spring we've had. Okay. So I I've been doing a little bit of reading here about your practices and the write-ups and things like that. You have kept this pretty much straightforward in your first spring. Uh, is that as much big picture as it is 2022, Mike? Um, it's probably a little bit of both. I, I think spring is about developing fundamentally. I think you want to make sure that, that you're putting your kids in position to where they can really grow as football players. And I think that's really important for them. Um, you know, and then obviously the first spring, we want to make sure that we're giving our kids a chance to be successful. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to overload them with scheme and, and not be able to really evaluate who they are as players. All right. The million dollar question. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your answer. Uh, what oh, are we boy. doing at quarterback? <laughs> yeah, so so we've had a long conversation about this, and we've decided we are for sure going to play one. And so there will absolutely be a quarterback playing behind center this year. We've, we've come to that decision. Uh, I'm announcing that to the world this morning live on your show. You know, Coach, i got a theory. Uh, 
And I said, yeah, I've never coached before in my life, but if I were a football coach and I was ever asked that question, I'd say, I'll tell you who our quarterback's going to be. The guy you see under center on the very first snap of the season. And that's when you're going to find out who that guy's going to be. That's how I'd answer the question. Yep. Yep. I thought, I thought I tried to come up with a little bit more creative way to word that exact same sentiment. Yeah. Um, you have had a couple scrimmages, right? Full team scrimmages, much like what you're going to do on Saturday here on ACC Network. Uh, I think the one last weekend was 120 some plays, right? I mean, these are these are real scrimmages. This is not the the dress rehearsal type stuff. It looks like. Yeah, no, we we felt like it was important to put the ball down and play, and uh, and again, you know, that's that's more of a long term philosophy for us too. I think. You know, you get better at football by playing football, right? I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but it's, it's true. And so, you know, we try to put our kids in position to go out there, uh, get in different situations and, and learn how to figure out their way through them and, you know, and then be able to teach off the film to, to continue to develop. So I think playing those scrimmages and, and playing at length and getting the kids out there playing is something I think is really important to your program. You talked with us, I, I want to say the day you were announced, um, about building this thing kind of inside out and we talk about staff hires and I know you're pleased to get Kevin Johns there and and Rob Smith is your coordinators and I you know this I Jess Simpson is one of the best line coaches in the country you couldn't have done much better there a guy who's got a ton of experience at, at all levels the idea of coaching continuity and that coaching communication has that gone according to the way you had hoped as well yeah, yeah, I'm really happy with the staff we were able to put together, uh, and, and not just the 10. You know, I think we did a, a really good job and hit a home run with the 10 that we put together, but then even the sports support staff, you know, I've hired 41 people since I've been named head coach, and so trying to get all of them on the same page, getting everything running in a, in a cohesive direction uh, has been a lot of work, but, but it's been a great group of, to work with, and I think we just got really great people in our building to, to build mm. this thing moving forward. Mike, give us a, a couple standouts so far in the spring that have really impressed you. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, both of our quarterbacks have, have had moments where they've shown themselves to be really talented players. Riley Leonard and Jordan Moore, uh, mm-hmm. I think both have, have showcased themselves this spring. Uh, really happy with what we're doing at wide receiver. You know, Jalen Calhoun uh, and, and Samir Hagen have jumped out and done some really nice things. Our offensive line uh, has, has done really nice things this spring. You know, and then defensively, I think Dwayne Carter and Shaka Hayward have, have kind of continued to be the stalwarts of what we've been on defense. Mike, I, I, look, I'm not going to break any news here. Shaka Hayward's an, an incredible talent. I would, I would think he would be a guy that you could have a ton of fun with just from a scheme standpoint. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy that we've got to put in positions to impact the game. And, you know, when you have guys who can be difference makers, you know, mm-hmm. our job as a coaching staff is to make sure we can find ways where he can really have an influence and an impact on the game in a big way. Uh, any pleasant surprises? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, Jalen Stinson is a young kid that's that's mm-hmm. really emerged a little bit. Uh, you know, VJ Anthony's a mid-year enrollee who's come on and done some really nice things. Chandler Rivers the same way. Uh, I think we've had some young guys, specifically on defense, you know, where we are, I think, going to be a little bit younger, uh, have had some guys really, really step up and, and showcase themselves. Hey, I asked Brent Pry this yesterday. What's it like moving to that chair? Has it been what you thought it would be? He talked about he tries to sneak in the defensive room every once in a while just so he feels normal again. You do the same thing? 
Uh, yeah, I actually sneak into the offensive room a little bit more. I have more fun when I go in there. But, um, <laughs> no, it's, it's nobody can really prepare you for, for how much stuff comes at you and in, in how many different directions. Um, yeah. But it's been, it's been a blast. I, I truly have enjoyed it. Uh, I've enjoyed working with it. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, it's just, it's just every day it slows down a little bit, and I get back to being a little bit more of a football coach. Um, how about the adaptation to Durham? I mean, you know, you come from Texas A&M where it's, it's a little flatter. You got some great barbecue and all that stuff out there. You come in from College Station into to Wallace Wade. I mean, it's a whole different universe. Yeah. Uh, so from the hotel to the office looks about the same. Yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, you know, we've had some recruits in, which has given me an opportunity to get out to some of the local restaurants and eat some food. But I, I can't say that I've gotten a great opportunity to get out in the Durham community and really enjoy it all. So uh, hopefully, hopefully as we get into summer, maybe there'll be an opportunity to do some things. I think this is uh, with the, the new coaches, you're one of them. I think that this is going to be a fascinating uh, season for ACC football because everybody who's been hired brings something different to the table. It just so happens too, that uh, all of it's happened in one division, right? I mean, right pack. I mean, it's all in this coastal division and you bring a terrific amount of experience. We know about Cristobal. We know about Brent Pry and Tony Elliott. I got to imagine, however in the staff, you break down this uh, scouting and building these notebooks on opponents, there's a ton of film somebody's going to be watching this year. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting to have four of the seven be brand new. And, you know, historically our division has been wide open mm-hmm. to begin with. You know, and, and now I think with all the newness, it, it may even be more wide open than ever. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're digging back through all kinds of tape to try to find, uh, you know, who, whose offense is it really going to be? Whose defense is it really going to be? You know, I think everybody's on a hunt right now to try to figure out as many answers as they can. And, and then we throw in Temple, too, as mm-hmm. a fifth school that we play with, with a brand new head coach and a new staff. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting next year for sure. All right, when you finish up on Saturday, are you done? Is that it? Did you hold a practice? What's your what's your post-scrimmage, post-spring look like with your football team? Because I know academics in the semester comes to a pretty quick finish after that. Yeah, we're done. The spring game will always kind of be the, the ending point for us. And then the, the next week we'll do, obviously you do the optional lifting and keep the weight room open, but you really want to give the kids a chance to settle in, finish their finals, finish their academic semester strong, make sure we don't run into any issues and that, that we do get everybody in the summer. And then, you know, we'll bring the group back for summer school and, and really begin our summer training and, and get that rolling. By the way, you going to get Krzyzewski out there this weekend or not? <laughs> I think he's, I think he's still like full fledged in re- retirement mode and soaking it all in right now, but uh, we'll get him out there for sure. At some hey, point. I know that. Hey, let me ask you this. I don't know if you saw this or if cat or somebody showed this to you, did you see Bates Jones launch a 60-yard bomb to Jeremy Roach on Brooks Field? Yeah, so I was standing there, and I almost almost offered him a spot right there on the spot. Yeah, I happened to actually be standing there when he threw that ball. And, uh, yeah, it was an impressive. He launched that one pretty good. Now, now, yeah, I won't, I won't fill it in, but it didn't actually go exactly how it looked. The catch didn't get secured on the finish. But Well, wait a second now. Bates Jones, this is Daniel Jones's younger brother who was a terrific athlete in Charlotte, just like everybody named Jones out of that house is, Mike. The thing about it I noticed is the point guard got a little speed going down the field oh, now. Yeah. Point oh, guard yeah. looks See, like now, he can get some separation. 
Yeah, I tried. I tried to. I tried to steal him from John yesterday while we were out there, but uh, but John wasn't giving him away. He told me he was too valuable for what they were trying to do on a, on a, on the hardwood. Hey, hey, look here. Nakai Montgomery played two sports. What's going on? We can get that done for you. You need us to talk to shower for you. Packer and yeah, I got a good relationship. Yeah. Maybe it's next a, time you guys have John on, you can give in a little nudge so I can get Jeremy over here to run some routes this fall. Hey, Mike, for us, it's just a phone call, man. Seriously. We, we'd do that for you. It's just, it's just a quick <laughs> quick local call. We'd hey. take care of that in two seconds for you. Hey, let me let me tell you how this works, Elko. Nina already offered Pack like a parking spot yeah. at her house for yeah. the Duke Carolina game at Cameron. Yeah. I mean, we're we're kind of in there for you. Yeah. So you guys are in tight. So then yeah. this is easy. This would be an easy call. I'm going to go back to the office and put a couple plays together for him. All right. <laughs> that might be a good idea. And All you right. said you had no surprises for everybody. You're just straightforward football. And here you are just already dreaming up crazy plays. Yeah, that's where we are. It's, I've been dealing with being a defensive coordinator for the last however many years, <laughs> dealing with everything that offenses want to throw at us. So, yeah, I'm going to have some fun with what we do on offense this year for sure. All right. All right. Hey, great to see you. Look forward to catching up in May. Be well and uh, finish strong on Saturday, okay? Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Always great to see you guys. You too. Mike Elko, head football coach at Duke. Uh, their, their game is at six. It is part of another big spring football Saturday. Got four of them. We had six last week. Yeah. We got four this week. Miami at noon. Wake at two. Virginia Tech at four. And the Blue Devils. Wrap it up at 6 o'clock. We're almost done. Can you count that? A couple more left after this week. Just a handful. Yep. And we'll be done before we get to May with Spring Football Saturday right here on ACC Network, always streaming live on the ESPN app. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Hey, we just told you that uh, Saturday we got four spring games. Well, you know how it works on this channel, right? You get a bunch of spring games, you're going to get a huddle. After dark, 10 o'clock Saturday night, EJ, Emac, Coach Rick, alongside to break down the four you'll see during the day, prospect a little bit, Miami, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and Duke. Coverage starts right after Virginia hosts the Fighting Casey O'Briens, men's lacrosse. Quinnipiac is at the Cavaliers lacrosse Saturday night right here on ACC Network and always Streaming on the ESPN app. Casey went to TCU. I thought Casey finished at Quinnipiac. I'm sorry. Oh, she was soccer star at TCU. Fallback school. TCU. <laughs> no, it's a real school. Uh, Thank you. TCU's nice. It's in the Big 12. They got a nice campus there. Uh, we took, um, I think it was Gigi. To TCU? Yeah. That would have cost you some bread. Clemson was easy, you think? I mean, every, <laughs> Gigi's list of schools that she wanted to go visit. I think there were 11 of them, and everyone was out of state. So she did Texas and loved University of Texas. Who doesn't? She went to Fort Worth, loved Fort Worth. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, what TCU's was Gigi's nice. fallback school? It wasn't, Dude, in, it wasn't in state, I can assure you that. Because old Pops over here Did was you not checks. go to Columbia to visit South Carolina? Uh, no. South Carolina wasn't on anybody. Okay, else. now, by the way, just for kind of college of knowledge here, how far is it you live from the South Carolina line? That nine would have, miles. Nine miles. Nine miles you'd have been in state. I don't count it as nine miles. I count it as like $250,000. <laughs> That's how far it is. For $250,000 from the state line. Because it had nothing to do with nine miles. It had everything to do Times with two the or one? Yeah, with two, well, with two, you know, two out-of-staters. 
President Clements, you're welcome. All right. Hey, speaking of South Carolina, don't you like the transition? I like that. Off to Pauly's Island today, ladies and gentlemen. The first round of the Atlantic Coast Conference Women's Golf Championship is at the beautiful Reserve Golf Club in Pauly's Island, South Carolina. Nice place. Uh, Wake Forest, Kim Llewellyn's team. Uh, Fourth in the country. Yep. One of those in the uh, Virginia is eighth. Florida State is 16th. Duke is 24th. Think about that. Now, here's the way it works. Get a little idea, Pack. We go stroke play today, right? Tomorrow, third round of stroke play with tee times. Saturday, we go match play with a champion crowned on Sunday. Those are the tee times. If you're in the Grand Strand, don't know how that originated. But if you're in the Grand Strand, an excellent opportunity to see some of the top women amateurs in the country yep. uh, at the ACC Women's Golf Championship at the fabulous Reserve Club right there at Pauly's Island, South Carolina, and get dinner at Frank's. Frank's is excellent. And tell them it's on the Salty Golfer. Yeah, there Frank's is a go-to spot in Pauly's Island. My man Wes Loman hanging out down there. Uh, but you're, you're right about the quality of the golf. Oh, now. my gosh. It's really good. Uh but and I, and I, the format's intriguing too because it's kind of tied into how they do the NCAA's. Yeah. So that's hence the reason for that. Yeah. Um, can we um, go to a little football news here? Chris Slade, one of the all-time greats at Virginia, is now on staff with Tony Elliott. Cavaliers spring game a week from Saturday here on ACCN. But yesterday, Chris Slade met with the media. I had no idea. I did tell Tony. I said, you know, I'm, you know, glad that you're the coach here, and I'm gonna, I'm all in now. I'm gonna support the program, whether, you know, whether I'm a coaching or just gonna be a fan or whatever. I told him that, you know, I, I, you know, I'd be receptive if it was anything he needed me to do and wanted me to do. And next thing you know, I get a call a few weeks later and ask me to join the staff. Um, it's just for me. I didn't come back to UVA because it's UVA and I'm, it's comfortable and I know everything and know everybody. It, I came back here because I felt like he was the right guy for me to come back here and work for. It just so happens, it happens to be UVA, so it all worked out great. I think I would have followed that guy anywhere besides Blacksburg. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the correct answer for a University of Virginia man right there. I'd follow him anywhere but Blacksburg. Dude, I love it. I love it. I you know what? And that's the thing. Mac Brown's got a bunch of Carolina guys on his staff. There's some NC State flavor today. I mean, I love when we get the guys that played at places that don't forget, right? They just don't forget. Well, they're also tired of losing to them. Yeah, probably some of that too. Uh, you think? Yeah. Just a little bit. But, uh, you know, two new guys in the Commonwealth, they'll get it cranked up. Tony Elliott kind of curious to see what he does. I'm as fascinated about their game next Saturday. And Roddy and I with Kelsey Riggs will be there. We're looking forward to being in Charlottesville. I'm as fascinated about their situation pack and what they look like with Brennan Armstrong and some of the guys back. Now, defensively, it's an overhaul. Slade's a big part of that change. Well, that to me is where the answer – the Q&A is on the defensive side because I, I have no doubt with Brennan Armstrong slinging it, all the weapons they have, Tony Elliott's uh, offensive skill set in terms of how he likes to approach things. I think they'll be fun to watch again. But I think for Virginia to get to the next level, Wes, it's got to start on the defensive side. Yeah. they got to get better. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, but, man, with Tony Elliott's book and Brennan Armstrong, phew, could be some points now. You got Brent Pry over there playing defense, special teams. I mean, were they, you can already get a sense there's going to be two different spectrums, right, when they used to well, get together. I, I mean, you think about Elliott, the guys he's worked with, and let alone the experiences, right? And then you take Pry, 
who he's been with and what he knows works in Blacksburg. I mean, look, Michael Vick, we all know, was one of the more dynamic guys. They've had great running backs, Darren Evans, Kevin Jones, you name them. But at its core, Virginia Tech has been great on defense. Yep. Virginia, when they've been successful, think about it. They've been offensively driven. Even in the George Welsh days, 22 personnel banging away at people with Terry Kirby and Nicky Fisher and Tommy Vigor. I mean, you can go on and on and on. But Virginia has got an electric guy in Armstrong at quarterback. I, that part to me is really, really interesting. And, and, and essence, those four coaches all in that same division. Cristobal, who knows? I mean, there's going to be an expectation because it's Miami, and I'm telling you the energy level down there is crazy. Well, when you have a quarterback that's a Heisman candidate, yep. and uh, a lot of folks will go, ah, oh, it's too early to put a tag like that. Well, I mean, they just take him for what he did last year in the second half of the season when he took over. The guy was great every single week. Let me ask you this. Is he your preseason player of the year? Yeah. Okay. I mean, no disrespect to Devin Leary or Armstrong or Malik Cunningham. We got some dudes now in this league. But I think the hype machine for the Canes mm-hmm. will be premium. I think the same thing for the team at NC State. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, thanks to our friends at FPI today <laughs> for debuting their, their and, rankings. NC State fans, I'm sorry yeah. that you had to watch this yeah. this morning. Um, before we go, a tip of the cap to the great Jerry York who at 76 announced his retirement yesterday from Boston College as their hockey coach. We are not a hockey show per se, but this is a legend uh, in the sport. Four national titles, a remarkable, remarkable career, and a very, very kind gentleman of the sport. Yep, okay. Our pleasure to get to know him and have him on the show a couple times. Uh, you know, we can't tell you a lot about Hockey East. We can't tell you, we can tell you the Beanpot's a classic event. Love to go sometime. And the Frozen Four with Denver winning the other night, I think, was probably terrific viewing. But at the same time, that is a legend, and we need to acknowledge Jerry York's wonderful career at Boston College. And we look forward to finding out what Pat Kraft does with that position. But he touched a lot of people in his career, boy. No doubt. 28 years at BC. You mentioned the four national championships. And and every time we've had him on the show, he has just uh, been a pure gentleman. And Mm -hmm. uh, you can just understand – why guys like to play for him. Yep. And uh, hopefully he enjoys chilling out up there in Beantown. But, uh, man, it's cool having him on the program and wish him nothing but the best. The Packer and Durham Podcast. 